Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Hilo Sports Podcast. We are a little over the halfway point through summertime here in, the, in July, and things are starting to heat up. Season's starting to kick off. We got summer basketball. We got baseball just passing the All-Star break. We got football training camps heating up. A lot going on in fisticuffs and soccer as well, too. My name is DJ, joined, as always, by my co-host, Kelsey. Kelsey, kind of laid out for it as well, too. We got a lot of things going on here in the sports world. And it's only going to get better from here. And today we're going to bring, make sure we kind of touch on everything we do well. We got some, we got some rankings, of course. We got some recaps, and you know there's going to be some rants in here too. Oh, there's definitely going to be some rants in here later on in the show. But yeah, there's going to be some rankings for sure. I mean, we're looking at, like, we already did our quarterback rankings, right? And and who better to take on next than the guys that make a lot of money by catching those passes from the quarterbacks, or you know, in some cases, dropping them. Uh, but for okay. the most part, hopefully catching them, and that's going to be your receivers, uh, you, you know, our top ten receivers going into this year. And I'm pretty sure there's going to be some spicy takes on this one because I don't think we totally agree on who belongs in the top ten. If I'm being fair, I mean, if we look at, it, there's probably 20 good receivers that could go in any top ten list as well too. There's probably, but you only got ten spots as well too. It's 20 pounds of potatoes and a 10 pound bag, so we're going to have to see which potatoes we drop in there as well because. The, the 10 that miss out are probably going to be arguably very close to as good as the 10 that make it as well, too. Like, there's going to be some darn good ones sitting out there. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I, like, I'm already guaranteed I'm going to catch some flack, and that's just oh, for sure. Uh, but, you know, it's not just it's not just NFL we're talking about because we could just talk NFL. Um, and kind of relating to the NFL is Madden. For the first – like, we're not – we don't really normally talk a lot about video games, but this has to be talked about in these Madden rankings coming out. And just how egregious some of these are. And then on top of that, I mean, we both are pretty big Madden fans ourselves. So there is a, a little bit of an announcement to go with the Madden rankings there at the end that we might be getting a, a little bit of fun going into in the fall, maybe. So you know, that would be fun. And then, yeah, then yeah. this is All-Star Weekend. Like, I, and that's the other thing. The last thing is MLB All-Star Weekend. So, yeah, there's so much to get to. Absolutely, as well, too. A lot to look forward to. And you know what? We play a lot of the sports games. You know, we're going to talk about some sports games here as well. So if you're a sports gaming fan like us, you're going to want to stick around for those as well, too, whether you like, love, or indifferent about that particular game as well, too. Because honestly, the same complaints are like across pretty much all video, all sports games whatsoever in one shape or another as well. But we're going to go ahead and start with something with a bit of a recap here. That's going to take us into our opening segment. That is the tip off. The tip off, of course, brought to you by, brought to you by our good friends over at Dr. Squatch. Smell like a man, feel like a champion. All your wonderful soap needs in one relatable spot. Get something, get a special smelling scent for you or someone that special someone in your life today. And we're gonna kick things off with 
MLB All-Star Weekend coming to a close. And very few, very, very few things can match the MLB All-Star Weekend, I believe. NBA All-Star used to be. I think it's taken a little bit of a step back because the dunk contest is no one cares about it anymore. And I think the Home Run Derby, it doesn't get a whole lot better than that. We're going to start with the Home Run Derby. And you know what really stood out to me on that one is Juan Soto walking away as the as the Dinger champion. Less than what? Not even 48 hours after basically announcing he's not re-signing with the National. He's turning down $440 million to, so he can basically go look somewhere else. What better way to make a statement than right after that you crack on the Dinger Derby? There's a lot to unpack on this Juan Soto thing, actually. And it's really funny because you do mention that he he, he passes up on this huge max contract with Washington. And, and to be fair, rightfully so. Uh, they're they're basically they're basically hemorrhaging out talent left and right. I mean, look, they, Josh Bell, God forbid, he's a snub for the All Star team. He's probably the the one shining piece there, other than Juan Soto right now. And um, despite their City Connect jerseys being fire, like they uh they don't have a whole lot going on in Washington right now. It feels like, and there's it's, it's Juan Soto or bust, and and Josh Bell or bust. And so I don't blame Juan Soto. First of all, secondly, there's a rumor, and by rumor I mean Scott Boris, Juan Soto's agent came out after the weekend as well and f- just lit a fire underneath Washington about what they pulled on, on Juan Soto before the All-Star break. So basically, if you guys don't haven't heard yet, they refused to charter a plane for Juan Soto. And now every MLB team, for the most part, charters a plane for their All-Star players to get to the All-Star game. They refused to do so, to get him to the Home Run Derby, to get him to the All-Star game. This, so this man has to fly, oh, God forbid, he has to fly you know, public transportation with the rest of us here on uh, in, in the world. But he does have to fly there, gets in at 1 a.m. the morning of the Home Run Derby, and then somehow comes out on top in the Home Run Derby. In, in what is a wild Home Run Derby, by the way, uh, like all around. Like we had Albert Pujols turning back the clock, turning back into the machine. Uh, Julio Rodriguez with what was the most fascinating first round I've ever watched. Um, and look, Pete Alonso still looking like Pete Alonso in a Home Run Derby, so – uh, it was it was fantastic to watch and, and yeah Juan Soto coming out on top. I don't know if you could script it any better, truthfully. Like that was that was a fun fun watch. Unfortunately, Jose Ramirez didn't do didn't do a whole lot. Yeah, Jose was didn't quite light the world on fire. I want to go back to Julio Rodriguez though, because you mentioned him. 63 dingers in those first two rounds. 63 between having 32 in round one and 31 in round two. Ed absolutely on fire as well, too. And then unfortunately though. When you crank that many, you're, you're probably going to slow down in the finals as well, too, unless yeah. you have absolute superhuman endurance, dropping down to 18 in the finals, where Juan Soto got 19 to edge him out. And Juan Soto each round, beating his opponent by just one, getting 18 compared to Hosey's 17 in round one, and then getting 16 compared to Pujols 15 in round two as well, too. So yeah, edging him out, edging him out, per- and just edging him out all the way across the board. Per- perks of going second in the home run derby right there. Absolutely. You know, exactly, exactly where you need to go. Nothing more, nothing less. Where Rodriguez <laughs> just decides, you know what? I'm going first. And I'm going to hit an insurmountable amount, even if it kills me a little bit. He made more yeah. money from the derby than he's going to make all season as a player, which I think that's where you're about to go with this as well, too. It, that was 100% what I was going to say. I, all of Pete, Pete Alonso a couple years back during his first ter- uh, trip in the in the derby. Um, yeah, Pete Alonso making more money in the win of the derby. He was like a $1 million purse. And, it, and he was going to make $500,000 that year. Like going the same route there is in the, this year's Derby. And so it's, it's fascinating to watch the, I don't know, the talent on display. And I'm, I'm sorry, but I, I still don't think Kyle, a guy like Kyle Schwarber should be an all-star game at all or home run Derby for no other reason than he's a line drive hitter. Corey Seager, the same thing. I don't want to see line drive hitters in a home run Derby. I want to see home run hitters in a home run Derby. And there's plenty of them in the league. I can literally count them 
all over the world and all over the league of guys that I'd just rather watch the ball come off their bat for 30 swings in a row rather than watching line drive hitters in a home run derby. Now, in a game, I enjoy the heck mm-hmm. out of watching these guys hit. Uh, but in it, in an all-star home run derby, I don't want to see that. Also, Ronald Acuna Jr., you tried. We, we didn't expect a whole lot out of you, but I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Stick with what you do best game to game, which is just hitting the ball all across the park. Like that's my biggest takeaway. Like sometimes these derbies, they get these, these, these base hitters in there. And I'm like, stop, no, go, go home. Like, I don't want to see you in a home run derby. Exactly. I do also want to mention, I think they need to get a pitching machine for the home run derby, honestly, as well, too. Cause I feel like some of these guys, you get like a slight, like got the guy, I know there's no. casually tossing it, but I, sometimes they do, sometimes they do these guys dirty with like just random outs way outside or way too far inside. Just, sometimes these guys get some really dirty pitches. So I'm not opposed to getting a pitching I, I machine or I, I want to see something a little more, little more stationary, a little more consistently straight. Because I swear some of these guys will get in a pitch closer to their hand than the than the good spot. Oh, I mean, absolutely, yeah, they probably do. But here's the thing: baseball is built off of mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say this again: a Hall of Famer gets on base one out of three attempts. It's the only sport where you can be successful while still technically failing. And yeah, you're also a sa- you're also the same person that says you should put a dome over every 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 a NFL stadium roof so that we Sorry, don't have any more roof. bomb cyclones ruining everything. That you if it's snow and casual snow, you can keep it open for the the ice bowl Lambo thing. But if it's a natural event, or like when lightning defl- delayed a SoFi game or delayed the Bills and the Chiefs yeah, until like three o'clock, I'm simply and saying they have to avoid natural weather disasters. No, they have a dome in SoFi technically. And then it's but technically also not a dome enough to where lightning could delay it. Yeah, no, it's but like like Lots. I think this is one of those things. Like this is the same thing. Like you know, you asking for electronic pitcher, like electronic bat or uh, umpires. I don't want it in baseball. Not like, electronic umpires. I draw the line there. Like, and and the biggest reason I don't want it for the all for the home run derby. I don't want to see a pitching machine out there for the home run derby. Is I go back to the Bryce Harper home run derbies where that's his dad out there throwing him pit throwing him these these balls and. The celebration on on their you know when when dad and son combined for a home run derby like that was so cool to watch so mm-hmm. and, and then like Pete Alonso using his high school baseball coach the first year like that was fantastic to watch um, just different different relationships like that like yeah okay sure the pitching could be better but you know what it's a, it's there it's there to be a spectacle and and to have a little bit of a uh, stress factor to it. How about the option of getting a pitching machine as well? Too? Maybe just where you have the option where you could roll one out there as well. I still don't like it. And, and, and I think the biggest reason I don't like the pitching machine is the pitching machine comes in at a weird angle. So when you, when it's coming in from a hand, you can track it. Like you, it's just like tracking it on a, on a regular pitch. You, you know, you step at the same time and everything. Whereas the pitching machine, they stick the ball up, then they in the little shoot. And then whether it gets stuck in the shoot possibly, or goes straight through, it's like 0.3 seconds, 0.5 seconds. You don't have the same timing every time. So it's actually, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't like it. You know, I'm, variables. Pro, I'm pro choice. I say you can use it though. I say just give him the option to use it in case, but I, I agree with you. It does have moments like that. Bryce Harper, his dad, one iconic moment as well to different things like that. So I, I do agree with you. It, it's nice to have those, but I, I self just want to see those as well too. Cause I want to see, I want to see somebody, see if anyone else can crank out 30 plus dingers as well too. And I don't want them to be mitigated because someone pitches and hits them in the kneecap, but I, I know a little, give, no, give, a little me, give, me, give me, give me the minor leaguers getting the, the pitching machine. Absolutely. There we go. That, that's, that's a hands-down thing as well, too. Or, you know, a paycheck that would, too. But I, I digress there as well. Too, but... Or, like, something better than a broken-down jalopy. 
or even agile. It, you know, we we won't get too far into this. We're, we'll we'll save the rants for later as well too. We won't get too far into that. But we also had ourselves MLB All Star Week and the All Star Game itself as well too. And the American League with nine straight All Star Game wins now as well too. I don't know if that's a record, but that is almost a full decade's worth of almost. winning as well too. Yeah, it's absolutely insane as well too. The first one in Dodger Stadium in more than four decades as well. And go figure, Giancarlo Stanton is the one who walks away with your MVP as well too. With him and Byron Buxton with back-to-back home runs as well too. And did you did you have Stanton pretty high on your uh, All Star Game MVP ballots? I didn't. I didn't. Not that I said he deserved to be there I, and was start a quality, but I did not quite have him as MVP. Now that was he wasn't very high on my bingo card for that. I didn't have him as a starter. I had him as barely making the making it as a reserve. Um, I, I honestly didn't think he would be the guy to to do it because if he's he's one of these guys that. He'll show up at time to time, and you're like, "Oh yeah, that's that's John Carlos Stanton." And then at the same time, you're like, "Oh, that's John Carlos Stanton." Like, dang, I honestly expected somebody like Jock Peterson to to step up and, and you know returning back to to L.A. where he had such a great run with the Dodgers before. Now a Giant, like I was expecting that to be like the the the, the moment, like the making Dodgers fan root for a Giant would have been the best moment of the entire thing if, in my eyes, if he had like done something for the NL to win, but I digress. Like I, I it's, it's good for Stanton. I, I do love it for Stanton, a guy who kind of, I mean, let's be honest throughout his career has been kind of shat on as far as a lot of things go. And, and you know, he, he gets, he gets the, the, the gripe from a lot of people for whatever reason back and forth. And he doesn't say anything about it. He just keeps doing his thing. And, Look, I, you know, you, you feel good for something like that, but at the same time, yeah, like I didn't expect it, but I guess that's what makes the All Star game great. Absolutely, as well too. And how, how you can just tell, like intermediate sports fans, non coast sports fans across the entire country, just cringe watching a Yankee become All Star game MVP in Dodger Stadium as well too. So all uh, of the twenty eight other teams was like, oh, that sentence. You could tell it just made them cringe as well. Yeah, and but you know, what? it's a small part about this that I can take away and say that's actually kind of cool. Uh, the closer for the AL team, Emmanuel Clase, the Cleveland Guardians closer, actually mm-hmm. getting the nod there for the closing duties in LA. So shout out to a Cleveland Guardian for making something out of out, out of nothing there and uh, getting mm-hmm. his his opportunity to shine. Um, also, Jose Ramirez didn't do too bad either. But that <laughs> you know, looking at just looking like obviously, I'm trying to take something away from the Yankees being the stand the the, the standpoint here for for the All Star game. Absolutely, as well too. It's a quite quite a very good week, a very high quality All Star weekend. Major League Baseball does All Star Game weekends really, really well as well too. It's weird how it coincides so close with their draft as well too, which yeah, was very, very which is very interesting how that draft laid out as well too. Yeah, and actually, so that's actually what kicks off the weekend every year, which is actually really cool. Um, is they kick it off with the draft, and then everything else follows that follows up. And you know, actually, just looking at the draft, I I just have to point out like two well i'm gonna say two things but there was actually some really good drafts over here i have at least eight eight teams with an a grade or a minus grade or better and number one being the rangers with an a plus grade obviously getting kamal rocker to sign actually sign on the dotted line this year as he was drafted number three overall instead of last season's 10th overall to the mets and to be honest i don't blame him for not signing with the mets let's be honest that could be like Worst case scenario, um, mm. but, but he actually resigns here with he, he signs this year with the dot with the Rangers, and on top of that, he actually goes and gets into rotation now in the minor leagues with his friend, co- former colleague with the with Vanderbilt, Al Leiter's son, as well. 
So that's a very interesting combination. Mm-hmm. And speaking of lineages, number one overall, Matt Holiday's son um, going in this draft. Uh, actually, there's a Buck Showalter. Uh, his grandson, I think, nephew, grandson, something like that, is was drafted as well this year. Um, so big big ups to a, a whole lot more lineage players. Uh, but given the, looking at the draft, obviously I said the Rangers with the A+. Plus. Uh, with A grades, I got the D-backs, Orioles, Twins, Mets, Pirates, Padres, which honestly, out of those teams, I'm kind of shocked the Mets had an A, uh, that they had that good of a draft. Everybody else, I was just kind of like, yeah, okay, they draft well every year. Uh, and then the surprising A- minus was a red was the Reds. Usually, A grade, sometimes in the last couple of years, B to C grades, just because they just kind of reach for kids. Um, but this year, very, very seemingly good good draft for them. I, I give them an A- minus on this one, so... Uh, I do like what the draft had in store, but there were some teams that just botched the draft and on the other side of things, and I'm just going to leave them to do what they do, a.k.a. the Yankees, um, because you know what? We all know what the Yankees do. It's not draft. It is It is pay all the money in the world for players. Absolutely as well, too. And the Orioles, the Reds, a lot of those teams you mentioned with the A grades, they definitely need it as well, too, because they're going to need some of those to hit to get themselves out of uh, where they've been, I guess. You could well, say. I th- their problem is they trade them away for nothing in, like, two years, like, like, ah, oh, you know what? They stagnated in the in double A as they're hitting 360 for hmm. 12 home runs. And they're like, you know what? Let's trade them for two first rounders. The Why? cycle gets like, yeah. They go the opposite direction of the Rams and the Lakers. Instead of F them picks, they stockpile them picks and then toss them away before they even get rolling. Yeah. It's, uh, you know what? MLB draft might be the most second most useless draft in the in, in, in MLS or in, in Major League Sports in, in America. But, it's fun to watch anyways. Like it's, it it's really helpful for high schoolers, but then as far as like the college kids, it's kind of like, you know what? You guys would be better off just going to free agent camps and, and getting on teams that way. Absolutely as well too. And that will do it for our opening segment. That is the tip off. That is going to take us into our next segment. That is the main event. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The main event, of course, brought to you by In the Clutch Apparel. Click the link in our bio. Use code Hilo Sports. Get yourself a nice discount on some high quality sports apparel as well. Too come in clutch for any of those events that you might be attending as well. Too and it's rankings time. We mentioned it earlier as well. We talked about the quarterbacks last week. This week we're going to talk about sometimes their best friends. Looking at the receivers, ESPN's NFL survey released released one. They had some of the, they released theirs not too long after we saw NFL.com do a top 50 and we've seen a bunch of other receiver rankings that have come out and some have been okay. Some have been pretty good. Some have been just downright heinous as well too. So there's a lot to go over. So we're going to show you what we like to call the right wrist, right lists as well too. We're going to go through our top tens. Kelsey, any final words before we get into these as well too? Cause I have a feeling you're, we're going to both be getting some starch, starch looks after these. Um, Understand that there are close to 30 players that can contend for a top 10 position. Not a top five position, but a top 10 through six position in the uh, in, 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 in the NFL's top 10 receivers. I think there's just so many. It just depends on your preference of receiver. That's all I'm going to say. We got 30 pounds of potatoes in a 10-pound bag. So we're going to see what we can do with this. I'm going to go ahead and get started. We're going to run through my list. Kelsey's going to tell me why it's terrible after each pick, and then we're going to go through his list, and I'm going to roast him after each one as well too. So 
Number 10, where the heat already starts, I got Mr. Wide back himself, Debo Samuel, sitting at number 10. For no other reason than, A, A, he is outstanding with the ball in his hands. When he has the ball in his hands, is there a better receiver in the game? Not very many as well, too. There's a reason they put him at running back. He's big, strong. His route running has gotten even a little bit better. It's slowly progressed each year. He was like, what, fourth in receiving yards, something like that as well. So he showed the ability to be a number one receiver as well as a gadget-ish type player, someone you can line up at running back, direct snap the ball to. Where he was most valuable was that versatility. So I think as a playmaker, he's higher in the top 10 overall playmakers rankings. But as a receiver, I got him at number 10 because there's still some room to do with the route running as well too. There's still a little bit of room with the hands as well. There's He's still fantastic. Like It's so hard to, to say this. He's absolutely fantastic. And I think... If they limit his touches at running back, that's going to hurt his receiver ability a little bit. So I think I got Debo at 10. It's fantastic. There's not a whole lot to knock on him as well, too. Like, he's still fantastic. He just There's just room for growth. It's kind of like how the old Antonio Brown-Julio Jones comparison. Julio Jones was the better receiver, but Antonio Brown was arguably the better football player, this sort of thing, arguably the better yeah. playmaker because he brought that ability for end-of-rounds, kick returns, punt returns, where Julio was just monster, basically, yeah. where – Tony Brown was versatile. That's kind of where Debo falls here. A little bit lower on the receivers. We make a top 10 playmakers or skill positions. He's arguably like five, four, three, somewhere in there as well, too. I when mean, you factor you might even talk, yeah, you might talk top three, honestly, at that point. Exactly, as well, too. So Debo, I got at 10, but obviously he's still a young guy, too. Stays healthy, continues to climb. A lot of room to go up, especially. We'll see what they do at quarterback. If Trey Lance hits, the versatility you can have with those guys, along with George Kittle, like Kyle Shanahan's going to have to – He's going to have to change his underwear after every single quarter of the amount of fun he's going to have calling these plays. So give me Debo Samuel at number 10. Number nine, here comes more Chase, and I can already feel I can already feel the skyline chili being thrown at my face. I got Jamar Chase at number nine. Incredible Whoa. rookie season. Top five in receiving yards. Exploded. Rookie of the year. Perfect. The only catch is rookie. He came in as a rookie. Exploded. We've seen 17 to 20 games out of him so far. Nothing like those preseason things. Remember last year we did highs and lows for it. We were saying like, hey, the Jamar Chase, don't worry about those drops in the preseason. He will be just fine. We were always high on him. He showed that as well too. Nothing to worry about. I think he, deep threat-wise, him and Joe Burrow, it's uncanny. It's it's arguably like Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett used to be a few years ago where they just had a weird in-sync of anything 30 yards down the field. After yeah. the catch, we saw what Jamar Chase did to the Ravens, breaking like four tackles, taking it to the house. He's... Very similar to his old pal, Justin Jefferson, who like last year was probably around in the same spot. He does it again. Suddenly he climbs up higher on a lot of lists. So Jamar Chase, nothing but up from here unless he takes a huge step back. My only questions are a little more consistency with the hands as well too. And I want to see him. He can run the route tree. We know he can, but because of the way the offense and him and Joe, it's a lot of go deep or hit route and maybe a short slant. I kind of want to see them mix him in a little bit more. I know they have T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, guys for those type of things, but Jamar Chase is incredible, and I think he's just going to expand on what he's doing. Once again, there's not a whole lot of negative to say about any of these guys. And they got to go somewhere. They got to go somewhere. And Jamar Chase will probably be top five before we even get halfway through the season. He's probably he, There's a good chance he soars up this list really quickly. So, But still better than what Madden did to him, which we'll, I'll complain about that later. But that's going to take me now to number eight. And you can make a case this guy could be a top would be a top three tight end if he decides to play tight end. But I got Mike Evans at number eight. When it comes to the epitome of consistency, he has had a thousand yards every single season of his career, going back to 2014 to now. That is eight years of a thousand plus yards, including one year we had like a thousand and two yards. He just got enough just to keep it going. 
arguably still the best deep threat in the game because he has a weird he's obviously massive at 6'5, 225. The jump ball skills. I mean, he won Johnny Manziel Heisman when he was like 18, 19, 20 years old. That's all you need to know. He's been he's the ultimate basketball player out wide as far as box people out, high pointing it. And he's underratedly fast in a way that makes no sense because he's he's not fast running laterally, but running down the field after the, his 15-yard head start, he's running past Jalen Ramsey all of a sudden on a deep street route. Tom Brady mm-hmm. loves him because everything he loves about Gronkowski and those tight ends through his time in New England, he gets that out wide. And everything he loved about Randy Moss, he gets that too. The epitome of consistency often overlooked. Might even be overlooked here at number eight, honestly. He's incredible. Problem is he's too darn big that sometimes his route tree is limited because guys that big aren't running like pigtail wild, pigtail routes out of the slot and things like that as well. So it's mostly deep verticals or deep out routes, deep corners, things like that. He's primarily used or deep in routes. Like there's nothing under 10 yards with him as well too, just because, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the, which once again, hard to knock a lot of these guys. I'm just pointing out their skill sets and where, where some of the guys might be. Number seven, the r- previous number one receiver for many years, we got D hop DeAndre Hopkins. Still baseball mitts for hands. Still catches still catches as well as anybody. Reason he didn't really drop on this list for me as much as other guys just happened to ascend. Like there was not, there's not like it's not like D Hop got worse for it no longer being number one. It's that a lot of guys just got really damn good as well, too. He's still an out one of the best outside receivers out there as far as you put him out on the island, let him work. Good back shoulder fades, Kyler Murray. We saw a good Kyler Murray's gotten since DeAndre walked into town too, because Kyler excels. Throwing up the sideline, back shoulder fades, front f- shoulder fades, just straight down the field, deep corners. Very similar to Mike Evans that DeAndre Hopkins thrives with a lot of the same things, but as a better route runner, I think could be used a little bit in different places. And after the catch, he still he looks angry when he has the ball in his hands. Like it looks like when he's like stiff arm, he's like he's trying to punch people as well too. When he's trying to run by them, it looks like he is trying to hit them. Like he isn't very angry when he has the ball in his hands. So give me D Hop at seven. I am concerned about that suspension, and we saw the injury at the back half of the last year. I'm not saying he's slowing down, but I am worried just because with receivers as they get older, one injury suddenly feels like a lot. And that's what one thing that kind of concerns me. But if he's able to come back healthy, good luck, everybody else. Good luck, NFC West and everybody else they play. Number six, a guy who he's a classic face, but this year he'll be in a new place. And we're looking at Tyree Kill, the absolute burner of them all at number six. Really, the only reason he is lower on this list is because these other guys do so many things well, where Tyree Kill is simply the most explosive receiver in the game. What's weird is when you look at the advanced numbers, guess how many deep balls he caught last year in the regular season for touchdowns? Six, seven? One. one. Only one last year? Wow. He only had one that was like a beyond 20-yard like deep shot play as well, too, on, like a, on a corner post because he got isolated on a safety. I, I took me a minute. I had to double-check that, too. I was like, you got to be kidding me. But he was used hmm. as a yards-after-catch guy, short underneath, and then he explodes because – you can't. You have to play ten to fifteen yards off him. Otherwise, he will have six, seven, eight, nine of those balls for twenty plus yard touchdowns. Last year, they used him underneath a lot as well to let him use his speed, let him open things up as well. And honestly, he was probably he was incredibly dangerous. Third down, just flick it to him in the flat, and suddenly he's got a fifteen yard gain. We saw in that Bills playoff game, the classic throws a ten yards, ten yard in route. He suddenly takes it off for seventy because it hits him right in the bread basket. So just saying, him and Tua might actually work out as long because Tua is not going to be asked to throw rifle. He's going to be asked. Throw it underneath the Tyreek, Tyreek and Jalen Hot Waddle. Good luck, everybody else. Or if you play too close, those guys will run by them with so much extra space to it can underthrow them if he wants to be just fine as well. So that Tyreek, uh, the most explosive receiver, gets him at six alone. Route running's gotten a little bit better each year. Hands still with a little bit of work here or there, but still, when you have factored everything else he offers, give me him at number six as well, too, just from everything he can provide. No, that's fair. Yep. 
Number five, one of my favorite guys in the league. Might be a little bit high for some, but I think this year he's going to explode. The freshly paid Terry McLaurin out of Washington at number five. He's very reminiscent of young D-Hop, where it's this fantastic receiver on a terrible team with mediocre quarterback play. We saw Terry McLaurin. He runs a 4-3. His route running is as clean as anybody's. Yards after the catch, he's as good as anybody. His hands are incredible. There's really nothing he can't do, honestly, when I look at it as well. So, like, there's not really a weak point in his game other than can he get the ball. And I think for all of Carson Wentz's faults and his own research and everything you want to talk about with Carson Wentz, the one thing he do- that he does really well is F it, he out there somewhere. And I think that's where Terry McLaurin can kind of thrive is just getting a chance to he out there somewhere. And Carson will, for worse, for worse, and occasionally for better, will throw it out there too. Curtis Samuel being healthy this year, Jahan Dotson bring in, just takes the safeties have to peek back. They can't focus fully on Terry McLaurin. They have to occasionally like take a little backside peek, and that can be all he needs. So give me Terry McLaurin at five. I think there's a strong chance he can explode. And looking at the division too, I mean, they don't exactly – there's there's a there's a lot of yards to be had if you will in that division as well too like there's not exactly lockdown DBs galore the question is can you there's Darius Slay and that's kind of it and then there's Trayvon Diggs if you throw it right at him he will catch it sort of thing but there are yards to get had on him so look for me look for Terry McLaurin to go ballistic this year if Carson Wentz can stay healthy and if they enforce him the ball which he likes to do number four the guy who was honestly top two on a lot of lists last year he did not drop other guys just climbed I got Stephon Diggs at number four. Probably the best, one of the top two route runners in the AFC. One of the better guys with the ball in his hands. He's turned into such an underratedly good deep threat with Josh Allen as well, too. Like, he's he has such a knack for getting behind people on, like, those deep posts as well. Underneath his ability to shake people, especially in the red zone, and his ability to just draw attention. And if you don't, if you leave him for a second, he'll get that two-point conversion in that Chiefs playoff game as well, too. The entire game, the Chiefs were locked in on him so much that Gabriel Davis had four touchdowns. But as soon as they took for a one second, took their eye off Stephon Diggs, he gets that two-point conversion in the back of the end zone as well, too. He's so electric, so smooth, incredible hands. This talk about the Bills, they would they will make that trade a thousand times out of a thousand times as well, too. And they him and Josh Allen have some of the best chemistry we'll find in the game right now. No knocks on Stephon Diggs. He's absolutely incredible. I do one thing I do like that he's gotten really he started to improve on a little bit is like downfield getting engaged. And like if Josh Allen's taking off another receiver as a ball getting in the way on blocking as well, things like that as well, too. Like getting a little more physical because with the Vikings, he wasn't always stick his nose in there type of guy. And now we see him doing a little bit more with the Bills, probably because he's getting 130 catches a season. You're a little more likely to want to block when you're getting fed. So that's I digress. But Stephon Diggs, as good as it gets as well, too, could, could make a case he's in the top two or three. Weirdly enough, number three is the guy he was traded for, arguably. I got Justin Jefferson at number three. Very much in the same thing we talked about Jamar Chase earlier. At the time, arguably one of the two best rookie seasons ever. And he followed it up with arguably the best sophomore season ever as well, too. The most receiving yards through two games in NFL history. He was neck and neck with Cooper Cup for that yardage lead until the end. And this was with a Kirk Cousins throwing the ball in a run-first offense as well, too. That was centered around Dalvin Cook with an in-and-out-of-the-lineup Adam Thielen and a spotty K.J. Osborne and a mediocre offensive line. And a Mike Zimmer-led team as well, too. It's just <laughs> as conservative as it gets offensively as well, too. And Justin Jefferson, there was a point where he's literally yelling, throw the damn ball, Kirk, because he just needs the ball more often, and he's still putting up these incredible numbers. They do get O'Connell, the offensive coordinator from the Rams, who I think is going to use Justin Jefferson in a lot of those similar ways we saw Cooper Cup used in the slot, in those tight bunch sets, and those double sets where Jefferson is a willing blocker. He's not obviously as good a blocker as Cup, but you can stick him in there, and it's not gonna he's not going to embarrass himself, which is also going to get him a lot of good releases. 
And when we do you remember the scouting report on Justin Jefferson coming out of LSU? Why a lot of teams were kind of passing on him early on? Actually, no, no, no off the top of my head, no. I, I only remember because I was the only one who was like, well, okay, if you say so. He was a slot guy. They said he was only a slot oh. guy. And what has he done with the Vikings? I have almost never seen him in the slot, really. He plays outside and toasts people up and down the field. So, and I think now with O'Connell, you're going to see him in the slot a little bit in those Cooper Cup S type roles with his ability outside. If we had to make a way too early season prediction, my prediction is Justin Jefferson's going to be the receiving yards leader this next year and might make a run for a not a triple crown threat quite like Cooper Cup did because Matthew Stafford, Kirk Cousins, there, there's 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 limits there. But I think he is going to look for Justin Jefferson to make a run for that offensive player of the year receiving leader type of thing as well too in this new offense. I think he's going to be sensational, assuming Adam Thielen can still hang out there with his 40 and still garner some attention as well too, as long as he doesn't fall off the wagon. Number two and number one, it's 1A and 1A. Like, you can't split these two. We already know who it is. Like, nobody's going to – they're dead equal. But the reason I went – I got Devontae at two, Cooper Cup at one, because Cooper Cup's the reigning offensive player of the year, reigning triple crown winner, reigning Super Bowl MVP. When you put them next to each other, route running, the two best in the game, 1A, 1B, 1A, 1A, that doesn't get any better. Hands, can you really say one's better than the other with hands, I guess, as well, too? Their hands are incredible each. With the One has a Super like, Bowl ring recently? <laughs> exactly and that's kind of where it it's kind of where it splits the difference i mean cooper's obviously a better blocker and i think a little bit better with the ball in his hands i think Devonte has a little bit better he's a little smoother and a little cleaner and a little more natural i guess if that makes sense as well too but like route running hands i think Devonte might be a little faster too they're de- it, they should both be they're both the two best in the game i don't know any other way to split it like, you told me Devonte was better than cooper i'm not going to argue with you like there's not a whole lot to argue i'm simply Given the guy with the accolade and the jewelry, the, the knot in this case as well. Too. Like, you're asking me to pick between the two two best in the game. It's a tough pick. It's really a tough pick here. But give me Cooper 1 and Devontae 2. But I think they're both going to go ballistic this year as well, too. I think Derek Carr and Devontae are going to they're gonna have a whole lot of fun in Cooper Cup. You have Allen Robinson now as your number two. Instead of an injured coming in halfway through the season, Odell, and a Robert Woods who was kind of neglected in that offense, unfortunately, at the first part of the Stafford found himself some Cooper Cup and loved himself in Cooper Cup. So... That's I think he's gonna I think he's gonna find a lot more openings, maybe not as many receptions. It's not gonna be please Cooper Cup save us every single play, but I think he's still going to get loose and still going to terrorize defenses. And I also give him the nod because how weird is it for a Super Bowl game winning drive? It wasn't a quarterback led drive, it was a receiver led drive, really. Yeah. Like normally they talk about, oh, the quarterback led a Super Bowl winning drive. No, if anyone who's driven in snow, you're gonna like this reference. They had a two-wheel drive car. Stafford was sitting in the driver's seat within a neutral, but Cooper Cup was pushing that car through that darn snow and getting it getting it around those corners Stafford was just turning the wheel while Cooper Cup was carrying it so give me Cooper Cup as receiver number one but by the slightest of margin of really the size of a ring finger I guess at this point as well too they're both absolutely incredible and all of these receivers are absolutely incredible as well too you know what I respect your list and I'm gonna go ahead and put it up on the bottom line so everybody can see Uh, before you vehemently disagree with it uh you know I just can't get over that number nine Jamar Chase slander that's to be fair by the by midseason I can see him easily climbing up to five but it that he's burdened with the we've seen one season out of him and unfortunately when we talk about how damn deep the receivers are those little slimmest slimmest of hairs but believe me it burns me to have chase there as well too because I know he's that good he is that good uh, yeah I just I can't get over that one man that one that one's crazy well, I, I like that I, I will say this uh, for the rest of our list we have very similar picks um between our two two lists and 
there's some differences though. I'm gonna catch some heat real quick and in a hurry though at my, at, at my number ten. So I'm gonna go ahead and just kick it off with my number ten. Saying, I'm, so I'm curious. I'm, you tell me my Jamar Chase slander. I'm curious who else you're slandering to upgrade Jamar Chase now. So let let the slander begin. Well, I'm gonna slander a whole lot of things right mm-hmm. now because my number ten is actually the other guy in Cincinnati, uh, T. Higgins. Okay. So all right. If <laughs> you look at it, his hands, his route running, his I'm gonna save you, Joe Burrow is second to none. He still has that mental connection with Joe Burrow that Jamar Chase hasn't developed at the NFL level yet. They played, you know, really consistently one and a half years together uh, in, in at LSU, Jamar Chase and, and, and Joe Burrow, but T Higgins and Joe Burrow right now on a next NFL level where Joe is so comfortable just throwing it in the space of T Higgins's body and his six, four body just says, all right, I'll, I'll pluck this and touch two, t- two tippy toes down and, and just walk out, walk out of bounds. Like, He's not the guy that's going to score touchdowns, but he's the guy that's going to get you to the red zone or get you to a position where Jamar Chase is able to break down a corner on the outside and get that deep touchdown. And that's why I look at everything T. Higgins does, and I think he's still a fantastic – like, I still think he is the best value receiver in that draft. I still think T. Higgins has – and, and that's, that's very, very blasphemous for me to say considering all the people that came out of that draft. But as far as value to production goes, like – Nobody thought he's him going in the second round was going to turn into him being a honestly to at some points in the season last year a one B option to Jamar Chase. Uh, you know, like he is that level of good where even if Jamar Chase is off, T Higgins can still carry this team at another level. And, and right, honestly, I could probably make the same case for Tyler Boyd if I really, really wanted to. But I think the only limitation to, to, to T Higgins is Jamar Chase. That's why T Higgins is going to stay at ten probably for the rest of his career, if not drop off again. Is this kind of this is the this is the Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs conundrum again, uh, or if you want to flashback to old Bengals, Chad Johnson, T.J. Hushmanzada, you know conundrum. It's they both help each other to do things that they do well. Um, now I do think there's more in Jamar Chase's bag than there is in T Higgins's bag, just because of body size and everything. But yeah, give me T Higgins at number ten. That's where I'm going to start it out with. Uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, I want to point out too, he might be the second best receiver in that draft, which was at the time considered a top receiver draft all time before the next yeah. two years might have outdone it. But absolutely, he's, in, he's incredible. No downsides here. He's he's terrifying on the outside. He does not, he looks like he should be a power forward sometimes. I mean, the number one receiver we both have, uh, at, at, you know, from that draft at, as at, on this list, hmm. I didn't, you know, I didn't leave him off this list. I'm not going to go. No, no, I was saying list. like that's how good he has been and how loaded of a class yeah. he was too. Exactly. So, uh, number nine though. I went with your 10th overall here at Debo Samuel. And again, this is just because I slid T Higgins into that 10th spot. Debo slid up uh, because I did not include, I'm going to go ahead and just spoiler alert, did not include Terry McLaurin in my top 10 list. Um, honorable mention is Terry McLaurin, but I did not include him there because I'm sorry you have to deal with Carson Wentz's left-handed pick throwing self. <laughs> like, yeah, sure. Tart Carson's going to throw it up there, but yeah, it's uh, so Debo. I mean, obviously all the reasons you stated Debo are exactly why I put him at at nine and not any higher because he does kind of lose a little value because he's a playmaker first and a receiver second. It feels like, you know, he has a lot of work to do at that X position, that outside outside receiver position. He needs to, to work there to really like, you know, supplant anything, any, any questions about his receiver ability, because right now it is out of the backfield or in the slot. That's where he does his de- he's his deadliest right now. Uh, now the only times I've ever really ever seen him out, out out wide and he actually does, you know, really work a DB over is when he runs those smoke screens inside, 
And then we've seen what he did it against Dallas. Hey, throw me the ball on a smoke screen and he's going to run it 40 yards to th- for a touchdown. Like Debo is that type of intangible, but at the same time, it's, it's what a lot of people want Tavon Austin to be in my eyes, you know, that, that gadget quick catch and, and run with the ball after afterwards. And I just don't think, I don't think there's, there's a limit to what you can do in, in my eyes. So, um, but number eight, I'm exactly with you here. Number eight, Mike Evans. Yeah, he, it's <laughs> the thousand yards. Honestly, he probably should be higher. Let's be let's be completely fair to, to him. He probably could go higher. The problem is he doesn't doesn't exceedingly break down defenders in routes. He doesn't just you know run past defenders. He just kind of bullies defenders. Hmm. It's like I'm gonna take this and you can't touch me. And yeah. and this is just what's gonna happen. So I'm gonna run forty yards down the field with you. Tom's gonna sling his arm in that sling. I don't know what he whatever whatever old fashioned mace type object Tom Brady slings his arm through and I'm going to catch the ball over you. That's basically what Mike Evans does. And he does it well. Like I, it's, just, it's, it's, it's insane how well he does it again. The drops still kind of an issue in my eyes, but it's not like it's going to give him seven more touchdowns, you know, with the balls he drops. He's like, you might get one or two, but that's about it. Like he's not going to run away from a defender after he catches the ball on him, but it's just doesn't happen that often. So, yeah, He's give me a, Mike Evans at eight. I, I love him. Just, I would say he has. He might have like these th- the small like the smallest bag of all these guys. But he's got some big blunt force objects in that bag too. Like, like if this was like if this was two K, he's only got a few badges. But those things are Hall of Fame badges as well too. Like he yeah. doesn't mess around with what he does have. He's got that uh, that charm bag that Hermione had in Harry Potter, where mm. you just keep. Yeah, it's, it's 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 only one bag. It's it's only one small tiny bag. But he's just like. I'm gonna keep doing it. I'm gonna keep doing it. I'm gonna keep doing it. Like this is just what I do. Hmm. So yeah, give me Mike Evans there at number eight. And now this is where I might also catch some flack because uh, I didn't rate this man as high as you did. This is the number one receiver from the draft with T. Higgins, obviously uh, being Justin Jefferson here at number seven. Now you might be wondering why. If you guys have thought about all off season, what has been the biggest complaint I had about the Amari Cooper thing, or the biggest comment I've had about it is the hey he called Dak the black Kirk cousins to be fair Very if you did call him that it's hilarious yeah no, no, that's a rumor obviously that is the rumor that is, is has continued to be perpetrated there and everybody's like oh well, that kind of makes sense and it does in a lot of ways notice i don't have any dallas receivers ahead of justin jefferson but i have the mid of all mids you know quarterbacks there in in, in Kirk cousins and as you said he has Justin jefferson has been caught on tape saying just throw the damn ball Kirk." Just, just let go of it. And, uh, yeah, this is where Justin Jefferson struggles. It's not in any of his abilities, period. The man has, if, if, again, if he goes in a Stephon Diggs-like mo- move, Justin Jefferson's a top three receiver. Easy. Easy, hands down. I have no problem ever admitting that. He is going to be hamstrung by, one, Kirk Cousins, and, two, Adam Thielen is still on this roster and still somehow finds himself open in the end zone. I don't know how everybody forgets to cover the random white guy in the end zone drinking his Colt 40, but somehow everybody continues to forget that Adam Thielen is in the end zone wide open. Two quick questions because I love me some Jay Jettis. Question number one is, do you think that with O'Connell in there, that might be able to sure open things up for him to where even Kirk Cousins mid in his most mid form, will be able to throw a three yards in the flat to Justin Jefferson, let him cook a little bit more. So he does. It requires very mid quarterback play. I, I don't trust Kirk Cousins enough to throw himself out of a, an open paper bag. Like, he could be throwing through the open end and still miss it somehow. 
Uh, but yeah, and if I flip the bag around, he probably could figure out a way. Kirk Cousins is the biggest conundrum for me because some days he is just, oh my goodness, Kirk Cousins, and then other days it's like, oh, Kirk, oh, why? Like I, I just, I don't trust consistency out of Kirk Cousins because at the end of the day he ends up a 500 quarterback. And, so, and that's so like it's you have ups, you have downs that are just so drastic with Kirk that I just I don't. I don't know what fixes Kirk Cousins. I don't know if O'Connell is the answer or just getting rid of Kirk Cousins. Like, and I, cool. My last quick question is: What if Kellen Mond surplants surplants and maybe a late, but partway through the season? Kellen Mond's on an NFL. Doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, like, I, I, I love Kellen Mond and I love his personality. And I love what he does off the field. On the field, I'm sorry. Hmm. The quarterback whisperer lied to you, hmm. like. Jimbo lied to you back in the day. I'm sorry. So that's my yeah. I, I think I think Jeff Justin Jefferson is just right now. He's just gonna be hamstrung by his by the team he's on, um, especially with Dalvin Cook coming back healthy. So fair play, fair play. And that is also the reason why I have at number six the number one option in Cincinnati, Jamar Chase, is because yeah, he was a rookie last year, but he was a rookie that was doing things not just beating defenders. On, without the ball in his hands, but he was also beating defenders with the ball in his hands. He, after the catch, he was – I mean, there were times he's untouchable. Uh, just absolutely untouchable. Justin Jefferson doesn't really do that after the catch. He is burning people, so he doesn't have to do that. Now, Jamar can burn people, as he did many a times. Jalen Ramsey is still sitting on the ground after that, hoping and praying Joe doesn't throw that last ball. Thankfully, he got away with it. Uh, and Jamar Chase, just again, after the catch, with the with, with, with it in his hands, it's just it just, you know – I, yeah, it's just one of those things. I, I I just have Jamar a little bit, a little bit better than Justin Jefferson right now, and I think he's going to continue to grow. I think both of those two are going to continue to grow to the point of being one and two consecutively at some point in time. Um, so then that takes me to number five. Uh, I have gloves himself, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, D Hop down there somewhere. And again, I probably could have put him lower because of the suspension as well. Um, I just still trust in the glove, like. He is Gary Payton in in the NFL. Like you know, the, the the nickname the glove is is fitting for DeAndre Hopkins. He made so much money for what was it Jordan Brand uh, a couple years back. So look, I, I I've seen that man do more things catching a ball than I've ever seen another receiver do. Just for mediocre teams, uh, and so he can do that continuously. If Kyler continues to grow, I think there's no reason why D Hop can't stay a top five receiver for at least another two seasons. I mean, obviously we'll have to see what happens to him coming back from this suspension, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I don't know. It's, it's kind of a tough one because he is going on the suspension. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but number four, I have the speedster of all speedsters and I, you can't be the best thing at one. You can't be in my eyes, the best option going deep and not be a top five receiver. Like it, it just, it's like, I've made this case for him. It's like, I did the same thing last year. I put him at five last year because he's still the biggest deep threat in the in 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 the NFL right now. I don't think there's a better deep, pure, just go long, I'll throw it up to you, deep threat. Now, will he be a number four receiver next season? Only Tua can decide that. So I'll leave yeah. it at I'll leave it at that with Tyreek Hill. I think I think there's a lot that can happen with Tyreek Hill, good and bad. Um if he learns to by learning, I mean if he if they run him on underneath routes, which I think the new regime can easily game game plan a, a thing where him and Jalen Waddle could both find themselves in a top ten situation next season. 
Um, so we'll, we'll have to wait and see, but it's going to be as Tua dictates, and that's a kind of terrifying thought um, for a lot. But that does put me at number three. Your number four guy, Stefan Diggs. Uh, I still think he's top three receiver. There's nothing changing in my eyes with him. Um, the only reason he's not higher is because you're dealing with the first ever triple crown receiver and Devontae Adams. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> you, you you have the two, honestly, two two guys right now running on full cylinders and Stephon Diggs who's just like, well, I lost to a coin flip. Great. Hmm. Like, right. <laughs> did nothing wrong. Nothing, not, not, not his fault by any means. He did his job. He, he set up Gabriel Davis on like his route running set up Gabriel Davis to have the night that he did. And, mm-hmm. and that's something that uh, I think a lot of receivers don't understand is that I'm going to use a Madden badge here, but that runoff mm-hmm. ability uh, to succeed. So I think Stefan Diggs here at number three is he, because he's more of a team guy. Um, I do have Cooper cup at number two and Devonte at number one, but I'm going to say, say the exact thing you said. I can flip this around and be just okay. I will be happy with it flipped around. And I just, I personally put him in this order just because, well, somebody had to put him in this order. So I'll be the bad guy. I'm already a bad guy by putting T Higgins at number 10. So that's my, that's my list. So Devonte, Cooper Cup, Stephon Diggs, Tyreek, DeAndre, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Mike Evans, Debo Samuels, T Higgins. Okay. You know what? I, I have my differences, but I respect it as well too. I think there's, a, I think we both, there's a lot of similar players, a lot of good spots as well. I will say with Devonte Adams, when you watch them both play, his looks a little more natural, I guess, too. So I think, yeah. and for two years now, he's been arguably one or one A as well, too, where Cooper Cup was fringe top ten, and then last year had a top five all time receiving season. So it's like, well, shoot, like it's almost the same thing. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd say the best uh, receiving season of all of all time, really, just because yeah, like, he was number one at everything. Like everything a receiver should be number one at, he was number one. Plus, he pulled home some hardware with Offensive Player of the Year and Super Bowl MVP as well, too. Like, it is absolutely incredible. You can't really go wrong with either one. I think they're both going to thrive again this year. We didn't really mention really, so I'll mention a few of my honorable mentions. A few guys that were good enough to make the list, but they just missed it. Obviously, we mentioned Amari Cooper, top one of the best route runners in the game. Sometimes he, I don't want to say disappears, but sometimes he doesn't quite explode like you would like to see him more more consistently. Really, really good hands. Sometimes Sometimes forgets to use them. Fantastic receiver, nonetheless, arguably right there with the best of them. Well, I think depending on how the offense in Cleveland runs and who's slinging the ball, I think he can have a really standout season as well. I also look at Keenan Allen as far as a guy who literally plays basketball with his release package. If you try and jam him, you end up Allen Iverson and getting Allen Iverson. His route running and getting off the line is incredible. Hands are awesome as well, too. Him and Justin Herbert have that really weird connection where Justin Herbert's like, all right, right here, I'm going to throw as hard as I can, and you'll be right there. And it works. They have, a, they have a fantastic connection as well, too. Another, and then the third, but final honorable mention, I'm going to go ahead and toss up there for now. And there's a lot of room for him to climb. There's a lot of room for him to drop. It's probably a little bit of reach, but I'm looking at DK Metcalf is right, kind of right there. A lot of people want him as top 10. Some people want him as top five. He's an incredible deep threat. I mean, runs a, what, a 4-3-2 or some, something ridiculous at 6-4, 220. He's absolutely a physical specimen. Incredible that down the field, like 20 plus yards, he's, he's awesome. The route running needs some work a little bit. The hands could use a little bit of work. There's, we've seen balls bounce off his face mask a few too many times. And he just kind of, he randomly disappears if he can't get loose deep, if it makes sense. Like, I want to see a little more underneath. He's, I want to see him get a little bit more work underneath, get a little bit more, get a little more in that intermediate range as well, too. Just tight, tighten up that, deepen up that bag a little bit to go with that incredible skill set. And don't eat so much damn candy. Get a nutritionist just for in season. 
and maximize your already freakish skill set. Don't destroy yourself with those three bags of candy. Yeah, uh, I also want to add he he somehow gets really flustered by physical play. Like it doesn't matter. They, 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 <laughs> yeah, like the 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 cornerback could be much smaller than him. I look at Jason Brett. I'm like Jason Brett's not the biggest corner in the world yet. Flustered the hell out of DK just by playing close and physical press on him, and it just doesn't make sense. Um, I you know you mentioned I mentioned Terry McCorn earlier as my honorable mention. You mentioned Amari. I'm gonna throw CD Lamb in there, uh, and, and the biggest reason is as, like if Dallas is gonna succeed, CD is gonna have to succeed, and CD has the opportunity to ride into the top ten that doing that because uh, Zeke is not get, not carrying you there anymore. Um, and I think that's that's a big big case there. CD also I think will just grow into himself as throughout the years, whether Dak is his quarterback long term or not. Um, I do think there's that opportunity for CD Lamb to to build this top ten there. Um, and I also want to throw AJ Brown in there uh, as a guy who if he's gonna perform. The Eagles will perform. Um, also needs to stay away from Chipotle. Now he's in Philly. You get to have cheesesteaks in Philly. Do not go to Chipotle. Do not Don't go do to Chipotle. Do not go to Chipotle. Unless Chipotle wants to sponsor us, in which case go to Chipotle. But mm. right now they're not sponsoring us. So AJ Brown, don't go to Chipotle. So, yeah, that's my honorable mm-hmm. mentions. You know, that, that that's a good one as well, too. I like those. And just for the sake of fun, we have a couple extra minutes. A couple of ones I like. Mike Evans, or not Mike Evans, excuse me, Mike Williams. Very similar. Mike Evans, giant body, great down the field threat as well, too. There's, there's so many receivers you could put in this list. I could literally name you so many. I see Lamb's one of the, if you just put ball in his hands, he's top 10 easily as well, too, just because when he gets the ball in his hands, the way he jukes people and evades tacklers, he's there's a very, very, very long list. There's Chris Godwin. Like, we, we can make a very, very long list of receivers here. And honestly, if Calvin Ridley didn't have that tomfoolery going on, he can make a case in this as well, too. DJ Moore, we'll see if Baker can throw him the ball. We'll have to wait and see. We know how with the number one receivers now. Hey, Oh man, he needs to get in the end zone with those bad boys guaranteed. Like we have a lot, we have a lot of receivers we could go with as well, too. I'm not gonna say Hunter Renfro as much as I'd like to, because he's a specialist, but it, I mean they're sure someone will make a case for it as well, too. He's and, a top 30 like, receiver according to, to the ESPN survey. That seems fair. I mean, top 30, I was thinking top 20, but I digress as well, too. But they, there's a lot of guys in there. There's 25. <laughs> I mean, you might see Jerry Judy now that they have Russell Wilson and Korak. Maybe him and Cortland Sutton kind of get back on track and they kind of make their mark. Or if they fall back, you never know. Maybe Jalen Waddle with Tyree Kill next to him. Oh, boy. There's a lot of receivers we have. We could project here as well, too. I'm sticking with it, though. My bold prediction receiver-wise is if everyone stays healthy, Justin Jefferson will be the leading receiver next year in either yards or touchdowns or possibly both. I don't think he's going to go triple crown because – I don't think he's going to get quite that many receptions, but I think the ones he's going to get are going to be big time as well, too. And I think I think he's going to be sensational next season. Assuming everything stays healthy and there's not like a weird blow up or anything dramatic like that. But I think in the offense, I think Kirk Cousins will be just good enough to get Justin Jefferson the ball a lot, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. I don't like it, though. I'm not going to pick. I still, don't, I still don't like Kirk Cousins as a quarterback, so I'm not going to pick anything positive for them. You know, uh, maybe they sure. trade for Jimmy Garoppolo and it works out. I don't know. We'll go with that then. That that would change a whole lot of my opinion. <laughs> that that make things a whole lot of different as well too. You you yeah. never know. Just I'm just saying you never know as well too. But that will go ahead and do it for our main event, breaking down the top ten receivers in the game for each one of us as well too. That's going to take us into Kelsey's favorite segment. That is crunch time. Brought to you by Swift Lifestyles. Click, click the link in our bio. Code Hilo Sports. Get yourself a nice little discount on some nice energy fuel as well too. And we we got some ranting to go on as well too. Recently the mat the rankings for Madden the NFL game have been coming out. And you know what? We we have low standards for Madden sometimes because it kind of, it, it annoys all us. Time. For all of its good, there's a lot of bad as well too. And 
we talked we joked about it in a couple couple episodes ago too. The MLB All Star Game, the voting for that, they got it right. We felt like they did a really good job with that overall as well too when they announced the starters and that sort of thing. We gave them props. Madden, you get no props here. You really so far the ratings that have come out feels like every position group there's at least three WTFs going on as well too. Like there's a lot of snubs, a lot of what were you thinking, and a lot of how did he get up there. There's a, there's a lot of mess with them. Some guys they got worse from last year even though they had a all pro caliber year. Like it makes their Madden rankings so far make no sense. I'll let you go and go first and tell me some of the gripes or snubs that you've seen so far with just the ones that have been released. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to go straight to the safeties because this one's just egregious. And I'm a big fan of this this guy, and I've talked about it many times, and he's a bammer, but I don't care. He's <laughs> just still that good. Mika Fitzpatrick being left off of the top 10 safeties list. What are you doing, NFL? Looking at their list, they have number one as Tyron Matthew at a 94 now. I, I still don't agree with this. Tyron Matthew has gotten older. He's gotten slower. He's gotten more apt to be beat deep as he did with the Chiefs. I still don't know how he went up in points and supplanted Derwin James at number one. Uh, Derwin James is number two. Buddha is at number three. Kevin Byard, four. Micah Hyde, five. Justin Simmons, six. Jesse Bates, seven. I say that just to say this. I would take all of those guys, every single one of them, over Tyron Matthew and then take Mika still above them. Like, it is insane that Mika gets left off there. Uh, I, I'm just, you know what, honestly, I'm just going to, that's my biggest gripe. I'm just going to start and finish with that one because that just frustrates the hell out of me. I do want to say positively, though, I look at the edge rushers and Miles Garrett being ranked 99 overall, becoming the first Browns player in the history of Madden to be a 99 overall player. Uh, so that's kind of cool. But I honestly don't think they messed up the edge rushers that bad. There are some like, oh, what are you guys doing here? But like they dropped out J.J. Watt respect like as they should. And then everybody else that's there, it's like, it kind of makes sense. I will say my first one with TJ Watt, he's got to be like a 98 or a 99 as well, too. You're going to get Miles Garrett 99, TJ Watt's got to be up there as well, too. I agree with you. Miles Garrett deserves that 99, should be there. I feel like TJ Watt should be a 99 as well, too. Defense player of the year, he wreaked havoc. He was a, he terrorized teams. Granted, some of those sacks were like the ones against the Browns where he had five sacks and nobody blocked him. Like, so obviously the numbers are a bit, when you watch, it's like, really? But he, He's, he's a mongrel. He's an absolute mongrel to offenses. He's got to be like a 98-99. Him and Garrett are 1A, 1B. Like, so I agree with you, though. Garrett, he'll, be a 99. he'll be a 99 by week four, honestly. I'm not worried about it. Let's hope so, right, as well, too. So looking at some of the other ones, the Minka not getting on there is a huge one as well, too. I'm going to go to the receivers and just mention it really quick. Devontae, 99, well-deserved. Cooper Cup, a 98, really. Coming off, of, we just listed his long list of accolades, and you give him a 98. Like, it almost just seems like a middle finger at that point to not give him a 99 as well, too. Let them both be 99s. They deserved it. And also, Jamar Chase, the 20th ranked receiver. We thought it was blasphemous. I had him number nine. 20th. You have guys like Brandon Cooks and Tyler Lockett rated at him. As much as we love Brandon Cooks and Tyler Lockett, no. Absolutely not. Ahead of him. Exactly. Like, Jamar Chase should be like a 91, 92, somewhere in that range as well, too, in that top 10-ish class as well. He should not be... That low down in like 87, 88 overall. That's just that's just heinous, and somebody needs to be fired for that. I'm scared to see when they release the quarterback rankings how bad these are going to be as well too. Like I am terrified to see these. The other one, other ones I want to look at as well too. Running back, Derrick Henry, number one, 97 overall. Okay, that does that makes a little bit of sense. I was really really surprised to see some of the other ones that they had in there though as well too. Most surprisingly too, how how is how is a Christian McCaffrey still in 96 overall? Like, he is absolutely <laughs> fantastic, but he's injured a lot. And then 
looking at it, Dalvin Cook still at a 94. He was beat up last year as well, too. Nick Chubb at a 96. Well, like, obviously, he's fantastic. But Jonathan Taylor at number nine at 95 at four. Austin Eckler down at number nine at 88. Like, Zeke, number 10 at 88 as well, too. Like, there's, I feel like they dropped the ball with the running backs for no other reason than you have the guy who led the league in rushing by so much. He had more yards after a contact than the second place overall rusher did. And you have him as the fourth best running back at 95. Seems a little. Seems a little questionable, if you want to say. Yeah, bias, questionable, egregious, however you want to word it as well, too, considering it wasn't a one-hit wonder year either because his rookie year in, like, 10 games, he was third in the league in rushing. Like, it's not – Yeah. so I thought that was kind of wild to see. Derrick Henry can be number one. That makes sense. He's earned that over the last three years, and he was on an incredible pace before he got hurt, which arguably the workload is what caused the injury. But you know what? Either way, the fact that you don't have Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry number one and two is just kind of – it's just kind of dumb to me. Nick Chubb deserves to be up there. No questions about that. But the running back was one that really stuck out to me. The receivers, obviously. Linebackers, that's just kind of a mess, honestly, as well. So I'm not even going to get into the linebackers because they don't. Yeah, Darius Leonard is the biggest egregious one there. That's plain and simple. He needs to be number three at the most, at the at the lowest, period. Absolutely. And arguably even two, two with Fred Warner as well. Like did and Micah Parsons could even be a little bit higher too. Like I, I digress, yeah, but yeah. It, there's a lot to go with, and we're, we'll probably complain about these later. But that'll do it for this episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We appreciate y'all tuning in with us. Join us again next week as we got some more fun things coming up as the NFL season is on the horizon as well. And some more Madden news coming up from us as well, too. Stick around for that as well. We'll talk to you guys next time. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.